Hey, Jerome. Hello, Laura. How are you? I am doing fantastically. How are you today? I am so good today. It is uh, sunny and super windy here in Oakland, California, but oh man, that sun feels so damn good. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah. And it's 63 here today. And um, that's warm. I, I Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I heard it was even warmer last week. Um, I wasn't in town. But um, yeah, it's just a beautiful day. Everybody's smiling and waving and bringing out their new puppies. And <laughs> I actually am delivering my Valentine uh, boxes of chocolates to um, to the cashiers at the Kroger and the parking <laughs> attendants and all the women that I love. Uh, that call me baby and the such. So I've been oh, that's so nice today. <laughs> oh, <The> sweet ministry. <laughs> Did you make these chocolates yourself? Uh, I made it right on over to Godiva, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. What's the, I've got to buy in bulk. What's the most affordable box? <laughs> well, I the reason I said that was because people who who don't know you from before this podcast don't know that you never cooked a damn thing in your life until the past year or so and now all you do is cook it's it is the biggest transformation and i've seen you do many transformations uh-huh. over these 30 40 years or whatever but the cooking the no cooking and eating out or going to Whole Foods every day for every meal. And what you're doing now is the biggest transformation. And I it think has been it's a amazing. big change. And it is one of the most awesome things that I've added to my life in a really long time. I enjoy, am enjoying it so much. And I really like the part, and you know this, that like all these memories that pop up in the kitchen that I don't, wouldn't have had if I, you know, because what is it, context? Uh, dependent memory retrieval. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the kitchen, I think about all this fun stuff about my mom and the such. And so uh-huh. it's really great. And, but now like cooking something that I had, but walking the stairs two to three t- at a time is something I've also added and awakening our glutes or my glutes uh, because I sit on my tail all day and most of us do. And uh, it's the largest muscle in our body, and we don't work it enough. And yeah. so the the change that it's had on my uh, posture and my uh, my running has been fantastic. That's great. Well, that's a little yeah. bonus bonus <laughs> tip from the podcast today. Work on those glutes. And Get cook your going. own food and as much as you food. can. <laughs> Well, what we are talking about today is um, is a book called Popular, um, the subtitle, which all these nonfiction books today have like a one name title and then a big long subtitle. So it's Popular, Why Being Liked is the Secret to Greater Success and Happiness. And the author is Mitch Prinstein. He is a psychologist, I believe, and um, Jerome heard him on a podcast that uh, we actually both listened to, and now I'm, 
going to blank on that, but we'll, we'll ignore that for now. Um, but we were talking about this. We were together last weekend, Jerome and I, which was so amazing at Sundance. Um, and we were talking about this podcast and I listened to it and thought, we both thought it would be a great topic, especially always through the lens of my own middle school daughter, when popularity becomes a thing, um, especially in middle school, and kind of the difference between being popular and being likable. And we'll, yes. we'll get into that. But Jerome, I wanted to hear what you, what made you think this was a particularly interesting topic to explore? Because I think you have a little, I would have expected you to have a little bit different view on it, but we can talk well, about that. Well, the first thing, let me say this, is that I was on my way out to see you and I had all these podcasts downloaded that I wanted to listen to. And the first thing I said, uh, everyone should know, is that I, I likable versus popular, Laura, all my life has had both of them and is especially, especially likable. And her likability has always been like 100%. And I was acknowledging that and so excited about that. And then I had to look at myself and realize that I don't have that 100% likability uh, like Laura. I have people that like me and people that aren't the biggest fans of me. No, wait, I'm interrupting you. You have people who love you. Oh, they gosh. don't just like you; they <laughs> love you. And then you do have you have a prov- provocative nature, and and so that doesn't fit everyone. And I'm just not as provocative as you. But and, the people who like you love you. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and I'm I'm Italian. That resonates with what he was saying about likability uh, versus likable versus popular. I think that people that are more provocative and that assert more readily are people that can risk not being as likable, and they might also find themselves more popular. Um, And where the people that are more likable are uh, often exhibit more humility. they are more inclusive and uh, by nature, and and they get included more naturally. So um, that that you know you you do roll with a little bit more natural humility because of your genetic predisposition than I do. Right. Well, let's let's ground this a little bit um, and give give the listeners the difference between likability and popularity according to this author. So he, he says likability means it's making other people feel happy, included what you just said, Jerome, and valued. Um, you help to form a group and help, pe- help people feel like they're an important member of that group. On the other side, I guess, or next to that is popularity. And, you know, he puts a negative spin on it, which is basically it's about status and you're just mostly concerned with status. And if that means you have to put others down and make them feel lower in order to gain status, you will. Um, Or if you're behaving in such a way that actually puts, you know, puts a ranking, 
you know, if right. you're first to, to speak up, if you're, uh, you know, if you're first to push around, I mean, it's just like people actually um, uh, may feel like you're putting them down when you're actually not doing that. Right. And, and if you're, and if you're kind of concerned, mostly concerned about status, you may not realize you're doing it either. It's just right. kind of what you, what you want to be. But that, that his, so his, his re, not his research, but the book says the research shows that people who are popular, and this is really kind of starting in school where it starts to become a thing, that people who are popular in school end up being the people who are more prone to depression, more prone to addiction, more prone to loneliness, um, and that people who are likable in school, not necessarily popular, but they have more happiness in their work, professionally, personally, and end up being happier adults. Um, I'm not going to push too hard on what this research, but we're just taking that his theories as if they are true and talking about this idea of likability versus popularity. Because I think, again, especially in middle school, this is something that's really pressing <laughs> for, right. for my daughter. Right, right. Well, and I want, you know, the, the, um, I had, you know, when I heard this, um, his, um, his research, it sort of resonated with something that I do with all of my clients, practically all of them. I ask, what were you like at 16? Mm. And because I had read, read a study years ago that whoever you are at 16, that's who you'll be at 40. The guy that is the high school quarterback that at 40 becomes the UPS uh, truck driver and he's got a banged up knee, he is still more popular than perhaps the valedictorian who comes back at 40 at the 20 year reunion um, who um, with a supermodel girlfriend and is a Google exec. And so I had always, you know, it's just like, and, it, and I find it so true, like within those, that, that age period between about 15 and 20 to 21, you know, when so much, uh, is taking place in the brain, you know, the that surge of myelination, uh, uh, sur surge of that hormonal surge, and so many of the things that you do in that area, doing that era, uh, gets um, sort of hardwired, and uh, those grooves are really deep, and you continue to be that same cat right. later on in life. Well, so, I, this is interesting. I mean, something that he said in this um, interview is, which I thought was really interesting, was he was kind of putting it in a social, in a context of our culture. And he, he said that um, adolescence, what you're talking about, we are hardwired to have a yearning for popularity. That hardwiring is what makes that kick in. So, yeah, in adolescence, you do want that popularity. But he said what happened is it used to be that you would age, kind of age out of that, and our culture supported becoming more socially connected and become, you know, what's valued, what was valued in the past until the last 30 years or so, he says, is that going, coming out of that 
hardwired yearning for popularity and then growing up and then coming out into the world and wanting to connect and creating those, that more likable um, thing. He said, but now in the past 30 years or so, this celebrity culture, kind of the, the society cares more about popularity and fame and visibility than we used to. And so people aren't coming out of that dominance right like they used to and you know he talked everybody wants to be an influencer if you're a 20 year old influencer you know and they're getting it superficially and through through social media now i'm not sure if the book's not a, a smidge dated in that it's a lot about facebook you know, and mm-hmm. the likes on Facebook. And I don't know that 10-year-olds are, you know, trying to get their likes on Facebook as much as they are in other places. Yeah, Instagram is the thing or, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's one way to still be looking to see how many likes you've got. Yeah, and I think that, um, I mean, there's a whole research on trying to, or in a whole movement to try to get kids not to use phones until eighth grade, which that didn't happen to us over here. <laughs> but, mm. um, but I thought, so, so if we take his, his theory at, let's just say, yes, we agree. Like likability is better than popularity. And I want my kid to be likable for, right. for his or her uh, world now and for the future. Right. Um, he does talk about some things that you can do or even just framing it for older kids. You know, I was talking to Nora and her friend today. She had a friend over and I was asking them about this, like who are the popular kids at school and, and are they likable? And it was interesting. They said the kids, she's, they said, nobody's really popular. They couldn't think of their school just kind of isn't set up that way. Mm-hmm. But after thinking about it for another few minutes, they did say something interesting. They said, well, there are a couple of kids who think they're popular. <laughs> right, right, right. And I said, oh, well, so are they likable? And they were like, oh, no. You know, and uh, so it's interesting to hear it straight from their mouths. And, you know, what he did say, which I thought was interesting that I did share with Nora and her friend was you know, one thing you can do is be aware, especially in social media, when you're posting something, are you posting it for status to show off that you got new shoes or you went somewhere fun or you did a handstand or, or are you sharing your life and trying to make a connection and everybody's going to show off. Like it's not that you're expected not to show off, but keep in mind how much of your social media life is about trying to establish status versus trying to establish connection. Absolutely. And I love what he said about like making a comment uh, for Mm. things that you like. And I was like, man, that's, that's like uh, rolling back the times and just sort of like uh, you don't just you know, if you get a gift from somebody, you like have to write a thank you note back in the day. And now right. you don't do that. But like, that's just to make to to make your kid or encourage your kid to uh, make a comment 
every time they like. I wonder what that would do to things. If everybody had to make a comment in addition to just liking, what what would that, um, you know, how would how things would that unfold? change? Right, right. Yeah, and to give a little more context to that, what Jerome's talking about, he was talking about he got on Facebook, because he's older like we are, and he's on Facebook. <laughs> it was his birthday, and he had 200 people like liked his, his birthday post or whatever. And so he made, he decided he was going to take the time to find out who those 200 people were and respond to each one with just a line saying like, thank you so much. How's it going? Thank you so much. How's the new job? And so it wasn't just either accepting the likes and moving on. It was establishing a connection. And what Jerome is saying is not just liking somebody's post, but even putting a sentence like, ooh, I love your new dress or, oh, that looks so great on you. It's like a connection rather than just a heart or a thumbs up or whatever. And, the- and you can do that to your 10-year-old kid. You can say, hey, baby, every time you like, I want you to make a comment. Mm-hmm. I want you to say, you know, um, two or three words as to why you, why you like it. And that's not to win a popularity contest, but that's when likability and popularity start to marry one another and you have both of them. Yeah, which, yeah, I would, I would think most people would love both of them. That's the, text ver- that's the, the tech version of the Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> <laughs> now talk about old school. I uh, know, but you know, it's still top 10 book and they like still in business, all these kids. Sometimes I think in Nashville, like it, it's unsettling, like the way young people are so exquisitely engaging. And they have such great social skills. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if it's really being stimulated by um, talking to me or is it they're Dale Carnegie me? And I'm like, are you <laughs> now I ask. I'm like, are you Dale Carnegie me? Like when people <laughs> say stuff like, I just been, couldn't wait for this. You know, I've been <laughs> looking forward to seeing you. And I'm like, all right, now don't DC me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. It, one of the reasons this all, this whole topic is really kind of resonating with us, especially this weekend, is yesterday, Nora and Rob and I went to our first bat mitzvah. Um, it was Nora's friend, Georgia, who actually she went to preschool with oh, so many years ago. We didn't know them very well in that time. Um, But then they played on the same softball team a few, you know, back in third grade or whatever. And then they play on in the same soccer league. So we've, we've known her for a long time and have gotten to know her a little better in the last few years. Anyway, Georgia is one of these kids who you can hear the smile in my voice because Georgia is like a poster child for likability and she she brings joy to every room to every occasion to every interaction super optimistic a heart, very determined but just um and 
I've, I've seen that just in watching her interactions, but then to be at this bat mitzvah and have people stand up and describe her the same way, like yeah. that's just who she is. Yeah. And, and so all I could think when listening to this podcast and thinking about this book is like, Georgia is going to do great <laughs> from I, here on out. Yeah. And isn't it so much about like, not just modeling, your parents can be, uh, very social people or very engaging people and taught you good manners, but also just having a, um, a, you know, the, the neurobiology for, for feeling safe among people. It's like, she sounds like she's not doing it in an overly kiss up manner. No. You know, uh, it sounds like she just has her, you know, her amygdala just does not get activated. Her fear center does not get activated when she's amongst people. She just feels safe and solid in herself. And that just makes it a lot more easier to engage. Because if you do have, if you're somewhat, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, there's a genetic component to social anxiety. And so if you have uh, if you're still feeling somewhat unsettled, if your distress system is uh, activated, you're going to be a little slower to warm up to people. Yeah. And that in this world, you know, might leave you hanging behind. So like um, one of the things that really my ultimate concern when it comes to children, when it involves likability and um, popularity is peer rejection and peer neglect. I mean, you know, there's plenty of research about the effects of, you know, the deleterious effects of peer ne uh, neglect and peer rejection, the latter being the much more um, damaging. Um, you know, if you're rejected, you feel that yeah. it's painful and often you know, um, and it has its lasting effects. And that's the kid that continues to go throughout the world looking for the opportunity to be rejected, always right. being vigilant and such. Or and avoiding people, interactions. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I think um, our fear centers allow us to either, you know, if some of us, if we're so unsettled, if we're unsettled, we kiss up, suck up, and some of us just shut down. Yeah. you know, or zone out. And um, so like that avoidance piece, I'm going to sh shut down, I'm going to zone out because that's what feels safer to me. And that is not going to win a likability or a popularity, popularity. contest. Uh, right. You better be real cute. You can be, if you're a really <laughs> cute kid, you can get away with that because people <laughs> will draw you out. Um, but That's like, true, but it's not going to make you happy. It will not make you happy, yeah. you know, and that's where it comes in where you, you know, you need to get your kids some assistance and teaching them how to go about, you know, um, uh, calming themselves or taking those deep breaths before they engage others, you know, anything to get their, that fear center to, um, uh, that, to free them up, to engage more freely. That's uh, great. The, the peer neglect piece though that is where some parenting can come in, you know, and you can do a little bit of a, it's like if often people that peer neglect 
often, you know, it's just like, well, if one circle doesn't like you, then another circle might like you. Mm -hmm. Or just change schools for either one of those. If parents that insist on their kids going to the to the school that they attended, you know, even mm. though it's totally like a like uh, I'll use uh, a, a a school for for the scholarly or the school for the, the <laughs> there's a school here that's wonderful MBA scholar what is it a, a, a an athlete a scholar a gentleman you know it's sort oh, of uh-huh. like it's just those just really solid alpha guys that are super smart and if you went there and your kid has the predisposition or the genetic predisposition for the art school and you insist on your kid going to that school you know they're not going to do well there they're, that's going to make trouble for them so Picking a school, if they are not doing well there, you know, the, the, don't give them, you know, get, move them, put them right. in a different school. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, that that's that segues into what, what the last point I wanted to cover on this book, which, again, is kind of practical advice for kids that um, maybe are not feeling likable or you want to give your kids some ideas about how to boost that feeling. And and what he says is, you know, walking into a room, like you're saying, instead of focusing on those cues that remind us that we've been rejected and it kind of ignore all the signals, look, walk into a room looking for people who are smiling instead of looking for people who might be rejecting you, right? Um, yes. Look, walk into a room look for people who are welcoming. And on top of that, you know, do some work yourself, smile yourself, watch your posture. You know, it's the fake it till you make it, I would say. Um, And have other people see you as someone who's happy and that values others and includes others. And I think, again, if you're predisposed to feeling nervous or anxious, just kind of putting on that positive affect, looking for those positive things and being a positive person yourself, even if it doesn't feel exactly authentic in that moment, it will. Turning the attention off of yourself and just turning it onto others. Yeah. And again, that's, well, again, that Dale Carnegie stuff, it's like, let people activate them to talk about themselves. People love to talk about themselves mm-hmm. and they feel so good when they're doing it and they give you the credit. They, they know you were present when you, they were feeling good about themselves. They project some of that back onto you. And right. so getting your kid to, you know, to talk about, and, and even this lovely girl that you were talking about, she's, I, it sounds like she gets others to talk about themselves. You know, uh, it sounds like she's not a, yeah. an attention hog. No. And, no. and she shares the spotlight. And so and she does it so graciously that, um, you know, just, you know, I feel good. She asked a 45 year old, you know, how was my vacation? You know, what, <laughs> you know, the 10 year old that asked you, mother said that you were on vacation. And, you know, how did you, did you enjoy it? It's like, wow. Oh my cool gosh. Kid. That immediately becomes your favorite <laughs> right. kid ever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um, yeah, so yeah, that, that is what, that is what we would teach people in a clinic, you know, mm-hmm. is to go prepared and go and focus on others and not 
yourself. And actually, you know, it's just, it's it's biblical. You know, most major religions say focus on others, mm-hmm. not yourself, because we feel like crap about ourselves way too much that if we didn't focus on others, if if it, if we're always thinking about ourselves, we might not see things through that we need to do. Right, right, right. Well, what um, I should have warned you that I was going to come back and say, what's our billboard from this? Oh, oh, well, you know what? I've been counting my fingers, seven words or less, and I thought, um, start with being your own BFF. Oh. Because um, one of the ways, you know, if you've got a very nurturing, kind if you're treating yourself like uh, like you would treat a friend, yeah. you know, you're going to bounce out of uh, rejections a lot more readily than, um, you know, so treating yourself like a friend um, and is what I would want my kid to do. Or, and another one, I guess, would be to uh, be like a bonobo, boo. <laughs> Bonobos are so cooperative and inclusive, you know? So That's I right. That too. Be like a bonobo. Boo. Are you being a bonobo? I'm sharing, <laughs> mom. I'm sharing. Oh, I like that. I think that's a kid-friendly one, too. Okay. Like, that'll stick in their head, you know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, getting kids to not, to, to be really good at that running narrative uh, in their head, that they, you know, the, the earlier you started, the 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 better you said. I mean, that's about one of. I think that you can't do much more for a kid besides letting them living in a neighborhood that they can play outside all the time. <laughs> their friends. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, making sure that the the voice that they cultivate in their head is one that is kind and and self-compassionate and lovely and, and the such. In- inclusive. Yeah. And inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for um, turning me on to this book and this podcast, Jerome. I, I think it's really pertinent It's one of those foundational things. And I feel like everything we talk about each time is foundational, but this one really feels, feels it to me. So thank you yes. for, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, it's been delicious talking to you on a beautiful Sunday. Thank you so much. Oscar Sunday. Oscar Sunday. Yeah. And I hear you don't have a pick. You just want to see, uh, you have, you have dresses that you want to pick. I want to see dresses and I want to see Brad Pitt. That's all. That's all I want to see. (laughs) I heard that he kind of likes you. (laughs) I I wasn't supposed to tell you, but I heard... (laughs) that from somebody that he kind of likes you yeah <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> all right we'll love you and love you uh, we'll talk next time be peace bye Take care.